Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. The official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans. A podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. It's time to flock up. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I'm Gus Katgel. will be joined alongside with Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com here shortly. Two games have taken place since we last saw you, or heard. Two games have taken place since we last were with, geez, in peace, I can't think right now. Two games have taken place since we last chatted, and the Pelicans, back on Friday, took on the Oklahoma City Thunder in a game they lost 107-83. to Here's head coach Willie Green on his thoughts on the team's efforts. Uh, our our offense really hurt us. Um, and I talked to the guys about it. They know that's one of the main concepts that this team does well is they turn you over. And if you turn the ball over 20 times, it's hard to make up for that, uh, especially when we're down, you know, Z tonight. But more importantly, give them credit. They did a good job of turning us over, being in the paint. We have to be better, and our game plan discipline has to be better. We went over it and over and over it, and we just fell into their hands. And um, once they turn the ball over, they're going down with options. Uh, like you said, I thought our defense was solid. We played hard defensively, but we didn't give ourselves a chance with our offense. And then on Saturday, a tough back-to-back team had to go face Milwaukee for the first time this season. No, Doc Rivers did not coach the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Still, it was the Milwaukee Bucks. 141-117 was the final there in a game where things just didn't go according to plan. Here's head coach Willie Green. Uh, give them credit. They um, they dominated the game. And um, it was really a lackluster performance on our on our part. And it starts with me. I got, I got to hold our guys more accountable. Um, this is a tough back-to-back. We know it. Um, flying up here, they had a back-to-back as well. Probably some tired legs, but... Um, our fight has to be better. Those guys in the locker room, they know it. They, they've shown it. And tonight, we, we didn't put our best foot forward. So tonight, the Boston Celtics are the opponents. A tough, tough matchup, no doubt, especially since they've only lost twice at home. 20-2 at home over there in Boston at TD Garden. 35-11 and 11 overall. Your Pelicans, 26-20. and 20s. Welcome in Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Jim, as always, that is a um, that's a tough place. We'll get into that here as well. Three games in four days, but when we last chatted and we last were here in this room, we were like, "Hey, I'm interested to see how this team can kind of face OKC. They've been playing good basketball. The matchups seem to work out well. 
And then there was a wrinkle. Right before the game starts, you find out Zion's not going to play. Mm-hmm. Did you, Do you think that affected them or not based off of two days of work getting ready for OKC? Or was it just one of those games that's puzzling by the way that they played? I mean, I think maybe a little bit of both. But I think the thing that you can most, most tangibly point to in terms of Zion not playing in that game is that the Pelicans only scored 83 points, which is such an outlier compared to what we, we've seen throughout the season and really the entire league. I mean, it's just so rare for a team to be held down to that number. So, yeah, I think that definitely did negatively affect the Pelicans, whether it was mentally or in terms of the letdown of not having him or just the fact that all of a sudden you have a guy who averages 20-plus points a game and now he's not in the lineup. I think one of the things that I was thinking about too, Jim, was this aspect, right? Because you had just earlier that week, taking on the Utah Jazz, and you put up 153 points, and he had all those assists, and you were kind of transitioning to point Zion. But even still, you still had the rest of the team. We've seen this team kind of play without that. It was just kind of baffling. I don't know how much this is becoming mental in terms of playing some of the top teams in the West on a Friday? Was that just something that we yeah, kind of come odd. together and, mm. you know, and fans look at and we say, oh, it's a Friday? Or, you know, remember earlier in the season, it's a TNT game. Oh, right. I can't win. Or or is it just you look at that game and go, they didn't play well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think earlier in the season, maybe even going back only a few weeks ago, I kind of downplayed the record that the Pelicans have or the outcomes that they've had against some of the top teams in the league because – you know, they had beaten the Lakers on New Year's Eve. Not that they're a top team, but they're a team that they they struggled against the first time. They had a win against the Clippers right around Thanksgiving. Um, they've had a bunch of quality wins. They've beaten the Timberwolves twice. So I kind of downplayed, you know, the idea that the Pelicans are not competing against some of the best teams in the West. But I think lately there's just no way to, to kind of push that aside. It's definitely the case the last few times that they've played, like you said, especially on Fridays for some unknown reason why they've struggled so much on that day of the week and even in some of the home games you know they they got beat pretty soundly by the Clippers then Phoenix beat them handily and then the 24 point loss to OKC it's it's definitely strange you know I think from the weekend too you know talking about the Milwaukee game as well they lost by Pelicans lost by 24 points both to OKC and Milwaukee they only have five losses this season by 20 plus points but two of them happened in that back-to-back that we just saw this weekend so Definitely not a good trend and definitely something that they need to turn around. The fact that they've been competitive for the vast majority of the games this season, but this weekend was not the case, and it was it was definitely a tough weekend playing against two of the best teams in the league. Yeah, you wanted to at least split on that. And, Jim, mm-hmm. sometimes what we look at is we kind of delve deeper to see as to what happened there. Normally when the Pels lose, and if you lose by that kind of score, you're thinking, oh, one team hit more threes than the other one. I look at the OKC game, New Orleans only knocked down nine, and again, it's – Crazy, you get done doing 25 and 23 mm-hmm. in a couple of games before that. OKC only knocked down 10. It wasn't the three-point shot that got you. The number right. that stands out to me is 20 to 11 turnovers. Mm. And when you look back early in the season when the Pels are struggling and they were losing games or they have trouble closing games out, what is it? Turnovers. Turnovers. Mm-hmm. So right. when I look at OKC and I go, why did they lose that game? Was it? turnovers and not getting fluid offensive looks yeah I mean I think that's a big factor in the 83 points too that you're denying yourself of all these extra opportunities to at least get a shot at the basket by turning the ball over um I don't think the high the turnover number was high in the Milwaukee game but there were a lot of costly plays I thought a lot of times where it wasn't necessarily a turnover but the offense was out of whack and somebody threw a pad pass and they had a couple shot clock violations it just 
seemed like for whatever reason, all of a sudden that problem is starting to crop up again. So then I look at Milwaukee, right? And when you look at the scores in the first quarter, 36-32, hey, you're in the game. I mean, you're on a back-to-back. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. 39-31 second quarter, Milwaukee. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm still in that ball game there, right? I'm still there. And then there was a 37-24 third, and there was the separation there, Jim. And in this game, it was a difference of the three-point shot there. Yes. Nine three-pointers again for the Pelicans. So back-to-back games of only nine threes. Milwaukee had 20. And when you look at that, it just there was a part of that game where the Pels were playing well. They were making shots, but Graf and JD were saying it in the broadcast. I'm sure Joel and AD were too. Two points for the Pels, three for the Bucks. Two points for the Pels, three for the Bucks. And even while you were trading buckets back and forth, the math doesn't add up. That we we we've, we've talked about the importance sure. of that three point shot here in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And when I look back at that game, you look at that score and go, man, that was a blow. Well, there was a portion in there. Pels are going back and forth with them. But they're hitting threes and you're hitting twos. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that we're going to get into when we talk about the Boston game as well. Unfortunately, it's something that you need to be concerned by. But, I mean, to me, the Milwaukee three-point shooting was just was an element of the bigger – or not the bigger over the, – the wider overall problem that New Orleans had in that game, which was just that they couldn't get any stops defensively. So the three-point – accuracy that the Bucks showed in that game and the amount that they made was definitely something that made the problem worse and worse and more egregious but um to give up 141 points you know we talked about how turnovers were a problem earlier in the season not so much for a long stretch and then they've cropped up again to me defensively to have a game like that is also something that hasn't been a thing that we've been concerned about that much over the vast majority of the season the Pelicans have been a top 10 defensive team but to give up 141 points and 23 pointers, I mean that part of it is was definitely frustrating to me because I felt like you know you have a lot of games we've seen this in the NBA all the time you get down by 15, 20, but you know that there's enough time to make a run. I felt like on Saturday, no matter how the Pelicans were playing offensively, that they just were not able to get enough stops to make a run, and it just seemed like they never put any stretch together where the Bucks were needed to be concerned because the Bucks were scoring at such a rate that it yeah. was impossible to cut into that deficit. Yeah, and it's so hard, Jim, because obviously where's this team's defense and where's this like – look, this is a reason, right? And we talked about this. First show of the month, we wanted to sort of present, paint the picture of what the Pels are about to get into because you didn't want to overreact on a win – or loss, one way, shape, or form. We knew this month was going to be tight. Mm-hmm. I just wanted eight and seven, right? Mm-hmm. You got win seven against Utah. You need one more here in the next two to do that because I think being above 500, and look, at this point, quite honestly, being a game below 500 isn't nearly as bad as being three, four, five games. Sure. Okay. I mean, five I, and 10, four and 11. Right. Yeah, that's that would the be kind of January you didn't what? want to have. Yeah. No doubt. And you mm-hmm. can already see why I kept saying it was such an important to be at least 500, because mm-hmm. we've seen just in this month, from the beginning of the month to today, the 29th, Jim, the, the standings battle, you're still hovering in that five to seven. Pels haven't gotten to four, but they've been five, they've been six, they've been seven. Now, they still only have a game above the, the Mavericks, who are behind you seven games back of OKC, who is now tied with Minnesota going into action tonight. Lakers eight and a half, Jazz are right there. So, you know what I wanted to be, right? After the All-Star break, man, I, I, I really... I don't want to even be thinking about the 10th spot, right? But mm-hmm. that lead now is only two and a half games from the 10th spot. 
right. that you have. And, so, and ninth, too. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I, every game matters right. now. You know, when you look at it, and you broke it down so good last year, uh, last week, you know, in terms of the amount of games that are left, how many games before the trade deadline, how many games before all of that. So it's something we'll keep an eye on, but that's why it's important. You have to at least be 500. You know, and look, this is the most games that they've had this season in a month, and, mm-hmm. and it gets smaller the next two months. So it's, you know, you'll you'll have some time the rest of it, but you, you just have to get through this month. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The I think the point that you made at the beginning of the month about January has really kind of crystallized even more as the month has progressed. The fact that, you know, when you said they need to go eight and seven, when you were talking about this at the very beginning of January, I was kind of like, yeah, that might be a little bit lower than I think they can do better than that. But as the month has progressed and you've seen some of the opponents and you see these teams up close and personal the way we saw with the Thunder, you realize that, you know, I, I think that was a really good point. And, you know, maybe I thought that that was too um, pessimistic to say the eight and seven is a good month. But I mean, really, it really it really does look that way, that the fact that they're seven and six right now with two games left and that they have Boston, the best team in the league, and then Houston on Wednesday. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it unfolds. But I, I do think that it's also true, like you said, that the fact that they've been able to kind of, quote, tread water during this stretch and not lose massive ground and still be, you know, on the precipice of sixth place right now. They're they're technically in seventh, but they have the exact same record as Phoenix. We know the reason that Phoenix is sixth and the Pelicans are seventh is because the Phoenix has a one nothing lead in the season series. So, and, and you know, by the way, um, speaking of this weekend, I wanted to to mention too. Why didn't we get the OK the version of OKC that lost at Detroit on Sunday? Explain which that is to that's me. that's Explain like the that most shocking me. result of the season. And also too, we got Milwaukee a night after they lost to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like um, things for whatever reason. And also Phoenix, the Phoenix team that played in the Smoothie King Center, they just lost this weekend at Indiana when Devin Booker scored sixty two points. Still points lost and the lost. game, and then they lost at Orlando on Sunday. So. I mean, I sit here and kind of half-jokingly complain that we didn't get the that version of the Suns, but obviously it's good for the Pelicans that they're still right there with Phoenix in the standings and that after that hot stretch that Phoenix had, they've lost two in a row you know, going into this week. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at it. And as we transition, obviously, to what you see tonight, and, and it's Boston, and they're the number one team in the East. By the way, Milwaukee, the number two team in the East, three games back. But Boston's 35-11. and 11. We already know they're good, and we saw last year, right? Didn't they set the franchise record for most three-pointers in the first quarter? I think it was something like 12 Mm -hmm. last year when they were here. So you know this team can shoot the three, and that's something you want to get into. But we also know this team is good. But they've had two new additions to the Boston Celtic team since we've last seen them. And that's Christophe Porzingis, who's kind of tall and big Mm -hmm. and can do some different things. He used to be the unicorn for a while, right? Mm -hmm. But, man, I think they're different, and I think there's a reason why they're number one. Drew Holiday. Uh, I just think you've seen the difference in not having him in Milwaukee, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to me, honestly, I think that. So yeah. you have that guy bringing that leadership, that lockdown mentality. Look, they're a 20 and two at home, Jim. I'm having trouble finding some hope. Give me some hope. <laughs> Give me some stats. Can yeah. you find anything in your numbers? Or at the very least, tell me why this is going to be a tough matchup. Yeah. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I did a ton of research and I hope to not overwhelm people and with frightening data and different pieces of information about the Celtics and the season that they've had so far. Um, like you say, they're 20 and two at home. They did lose on Saturday to the Clippers by a big margin, which I think really probably more tells you the way that the Clippers have been playing than necessarily indicates anything about Boston. Um, and by the way, too, before I get into some of this stuff, people can have their opinion in terms of the exchange between um, Damian Lillard, the, the Bucks traded Drew Holiday, and they ended up with Damian Lillard. I think people across the NBA believe that Damian Lillard is a better, better player than Drew Holiday overall. That's fine. But if you look at, in terms of fit, in terms of how much Milwaukee has dropped off defensively, it is interesting to think about that part of it that, you know, it hasn't necessarily been, a, it definitely hasn't been a massive improvement for Milwaukee based on how they played when they had Drew Holiday. But nonetheless, I'll leave that for people to argue about on and on Twitter and such. Um, we talked to, You talked about the three-point shooting. I mean, to me, there's a bunch of different areas where the Pelicans have to focus on tonight to be able to pull off uh, what would be probably maybe the best road win of the season if they're able to do it. Boston is number one in the league in three-point makes per game. They've, they average 16.2 a game. Um, Pelicans are fourth defensively in three-point percentage defense. They, they're only allowing 34.6%, but as we saw in the game Saturday against Milwaukee, the Bucks are top five in three-point makes as well. Um, Bucks made a bunch of threes. If the Celtics do the same thing tonight, the Pelicans are in, in trouble. If the Celtics are able to get, you know, make 18 to 20, 25 three-pointers, it'll be a long night. Um, another area to me that's important for the Pelicans is Getting to the free throw line, hopefully they can get there a lot and be able to set up their defense so that Boston can't run the other way. Pelicans are sixth in free throw attempts per game at 25.1, but the Celtics are number one in fewest allowed defensively. They only give up 19 free throws a game. So to me, that's an area that is very important. The one thing I, I think I, I need to throw in a positive here just to, to – make people realize that, you know, it's not, this is not an impossible dream to be able to win tonight. Um, I think the area the Pelicans have the biggest advantage on paper is their bench. Pelicans are 14th in bench scoring at 34 points a game. The Celtics are only 27th at 28.7. I think a lot of people have been critical of the Celtics depth and bench this season, because if there's not, there's just not many areas that you can pick at and kind of critique, but I think Boston people would counter and say, yeah, okay, maybe we don't get a lot of production from our bench, but our top six is probably the best in the league. And the starting lineup, I think you could definitely make a case, is the best uh, starting five group in the league. One other quick note, too, b- based on that part of it, uh, Porzingis is questionable tonight with an ankle injury, and El Horford is questionable as well with a neck injury. So we don't, we might not see their top six. Uh, Porzingis has started the vast Every game he's played, he started – and Horford starts when Porzingis isn't available, so not sure how that's going to shake out tonight, but um, 
those are two of their of their six main guys that are, have just done damage all season. Well, you were talking about how sometimes it's timing when the Pelicans unfortunately are meeting some of these teams. Uh, back over the weekend, I, I told this to Todd, and he didn't like it. Do you know Jay, um, Jalen Brown was held to eight points in the loss? Jason mm-hmm. Tatum, 21. Right. That is well below what they're mm-hmm. capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reminds you of, you know, Milwaukee on Saturday. Damian Lillard didn't shoot very well on Friday. So I just, mm. I'm not saying that they're going to so, have tremendous offensive performances today, but it just kind of puts the emphasis on that. But I am curious, right? Because it, what you say of all the things, what is the key of keys tonight? Is it, hey, you want to see this team get, like, Willie Green said this after the game on Saturday. That in playing some of these top teams as of late, it, it's more about the mental aspect of this team being ready to step up to that next mm. level. Mm. And, and this is it. Again, you're, you're facing the number one team in the East with some of the best players in the NBA. And we've talked about this, right? Beginning of the month, could I say this team was going to be a contender or are they still just competitors where I think you compete on the, on a night's? Right now, as we're getting closer to this, Jim, I, I don't know if I can say we're contenders just yet. And, that, and I right. think that's fair, yeah, right? No, because there's definitely. teams right now mm-hmm. that have come up and said, here you go. This is this is the next level and the next step, and the Pels aren't there right now. And tonight's another game like that to show that how close you are or not. Right. I mean, the Pelicans are going to get a ton more opportunities to play against that top elite tier of the league. And the Celtics, I mean, number one, not only number one team in the East, but they have the best record in the league as well. They only have 11 losses. Every other team has at least 14. So there's a there's even just a little there's even a gap between Boston and the top teams in the West right now, at least record wise. But to go back to your question as far as what the key of the most important key tonight, I, I think it is the three point defense. I think if Boston gets hot from three point range and they get their crowd into the game, I think it's gonna be really tough to be able to figure out a way to get a victory. Um, you mentioned Tatum and Brown combined for 29 points against the Clippers, which is way below what they average. Tatum averages 26.8 points. Brown averages 22.6. So there's al- they're almost getting 50 points a game from those two guys. So that's another area where the Pelicans have to be uh, be on top of their game. Um, we mentioned Drew Holiday. He's shooting. He's actually shooting a career high. From three point range this year at forty one point five percent. Oh, really? So now he's added to three point shot. That's great. <laughs> I mean, know. it helps. Thank to, you, Jim. It helps to play with the guys that he's playing with. I think he, I'm sure he's getting more <laughs> open so? shots than he ever has in the past. But they have three other guys: Horford, Sam Hauser, and Derek White, who are shooting forty percent or above as well f- from three point range. So I think that's the area that they have. The Pelicans have to be the most focused on to not let the Celtics go go crazy and, and bury a bunch of threes. I want to ask you something in, 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 as we close up here on this segment here, but it's what I just said. I don't mean it to be like I, I'm down on this team, and that's not what we're trying to be here, mm-hmm. but I think it's perspective, right? And that's what I'm trying to say when I say competitive uh, competitors sure. and where the tiers, because we've seen a couple of the local media people say, hey, they're a middle, they're middle-tier team. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Right. The reason I say that is because – we they haven't played a playoff series together, you know. It's like mm-hmm. I, when when I look at whether it's it's football teams, baseball teams, basketball teams, I think a lot of times criticism or where you are and where you are in terms of um, expectation levels and where those expectations should be, I think are based off of hey, can you be a playoff team? Once you get to the playoffs, can you 
compete for a championship. I mean, everybody's goal is a championship, right? No matter the sport, no matter the level, everybody, high school, college, pros, everyone says it's to win championships. I got it. It's not easy to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you get there? What are the steps and what does it take? And that's something that obviously, I don't know, on my talk show and even here, we're going to be talking a lot about that. What are the steps that the Pels need to take? What are the moves that need to happen? Who needs to step up? What needs to, or is it just one of those nights? Where is the league at? Things of that nature. But until this team plays a playoff series together with the big three guys is what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. I know B.I. and C.J. have. Zion hasn't, he hasn't taken a shot attempt in a playoff game. Right. So that's why, I look, as exciting as it was last year, being in first place in the West at the end of that calendar year last season, as exciting as I've seen some of the wins they've had this year, that's great. But I can't get that upset or overwhelmed when you lose to the Clippers and the Clippers team that just beat this Boston team that you're talking about mm-hmm. that have three Hall of Famers. Right. Hall of Famers. I, I love the Pelicans players. I don't know if they have a Hall of Famer on there. You know, so, mm-hmm. so I mean, it's, and that's not being disrespectful. That's sure. just, that's the talent level that that team has. Now, the OKC one, the team's younger than you, but, you know, so that, 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 that's different how I look at it. But when you look at the Clippers game and you look at, you know, some of those other losses that you've seen this season to Phoenix. I mean, Durant is, I mean, he was upset last week because people are going, what do I have to do to be considered to be the GOAT? So he's upset that people aren't calling him the, the best goat. player ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So he's pretty good. Booker dropped, you know, what do you do, 52 against you or 50? And then he dropped 62. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's good. So, and look, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but I, I was looking during the game. I said, so what's the difference between some of those teams that they've lost to and what they're playing? And I'm going to ask you. Is it a 30-point score a night player? And what I mean by that is, right now, if I say, do the Pelicans have a guy right now, you know, at any given night, can drop 30 to 40 points, do they? They have guys that can do it, but in terms of if you're going to rely on something, you're going to say, okay, we need you to do what Booker has done over the last stretch of games. No, that's not going to happen. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like when I look at yeah, the standings, no, like, OKC, mm-hmm. they have a player in SGA that averages 31. Right. Averages mm-hmm. 31, right? Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, Chet and all that hell. Minnesota, Anthony Edwards is absolutely capable on any given night. I mean, you saw the dunk he had over the weekend. Carl Anthony Towns can as well. The Clippers pick a player. I mean, they got three of them, right? I mean, Kawhi can drop 30 on one night. You know, Paul George can on a given night. You know, the beard can on a given night. Mm-hmm. Denver, I mean, Jokic. He can drop 30 on a given night. I mean, he sure. can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sacramento, do you think De'Aaron Fox can? Definitely. Okay. He's done it against the Pelicans okay. b- before. The Suns, times. Kevin Durant, right. can he drop 30 mm-hmm. a night? Sure. Can Devin Booker drop 30 a night? Or 60. Okay, yeah. I just gave you the top six teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. The Pelicans, we're, we're debating that, right? And I'm talking about a guy that we just on any given night capable of doing it. I think they can, but you get what I'm getting at where those guys more often than not can or not. Dallas, I mean, Luka dropped 72 over mm-hmm. the weekend. Um, yeah. Kyrie Irving can drop 30 a night. The Lakers, LaBooBoo, you know, you know he can drop 30 a night. AD could as well when he's playing well. And then you have the Jazz, I don't know. Golden State, they're struggling, but man, Steph Curry can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Memphis, Jacques can when he's healthy and playing easily. Uh, Portland, I don't know yet. 
in the Spurs. I don't know if Wemby's that guy just yet. But my point is, when I look at that West, they have a person. Sure. They might have two that on any given night, that's just out of bed. They can drop 25, 30, 30 points. And, and I think maybe, is that the next step that the Pels need to do? Like, does B.I., does Zion, does C.J. need to average 25 to 30 points if you're going to compete with the teams that are going to be winning the West, I think? I mean, that's a, t- that's a difficult question because I think each of those three guys would probably say that if there wasn't as many, you know, top 20-plus per game scores next to them that they would be able to average 25 points a game or be able to get into the 40s every so often. But, I mean, this is this team is much more of a collective effort in terms of they're not relying on one guy. Obviously, there's pros and cons to that. Um, you're detailing, I think, some of the, the cons part of it. Right. Um, I well, think they would say, though, that, you know, they're going to rely on the fact that they think that they have more depth than a lot of these teams – and that's going to be the formula to winning a championship or competing for a championship in the next couple of years. It's not going to be that one guy is going to carry everything. It's going to be um, they have more threats than a lot of these teams com- overall. They might not have the one guy that you say, we're concerned he's going to get 70 tonight, but they have multiple guys that can average 20 So maybe it's not carry, but to you just use the word threat. On any given night, threaten. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's 30. You know, and the reason I say that because it's interesting. The franchise record for points, 153. To your point, only one player was in the 30s. That was C.J. McCollum had 33, but he had nine threes. So that was an above average night for him, mm-hmm. meaning it was just going in. It was what it was nice. He was threatening his career high in three-pointers made. Zion had 17. Brandon Ingram had 18. Herb had 22. Jonas had 17. To your point. Nobody had above 20 other than really, you know, than Herb, who also had four threes. That, that's right. not his night. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's an above average normal night for him. So that's what I'm asking. That's, I guess that's what I'm saying. You're right. But I think for them to do that, then that's the case then, right? Do, do, do they need to average 15 or more? I'm just trying to think how yeah. you compete with some of those teams. And is that, the, is that the barometer? Is that the difference? That those teams have somebody that can threatening on a given night because then the two games after this jazz game you didn't have a player that was anywhere close to 30 and it it hurt you Mm because you i guess what i'm saying is when one of the teams that you're playing's star is going off who matches that on this team is that where that next step is does that make sense like hey you come into that game book is dropping you know okay well somebody on the pills has got to start dropping shots just like that too back and forth you know or is that even realistic i I don't know i'm just trying to look at what are what are the differences between the teams that are above you right now in the west and -hmm. you and that's the only thing i'm thinking of is that every night when i see one of those teams that you're playing i'm thinking the first there's a name that pops immediately there's a name is yeah. a name that pops. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something that, that needs to be considered and something that they have to think about as time goes on. I mean, the fact right now, though, I think they would say that, you know, they are ahead of the Lakers, even though the Lakers have two guys that are all fame. Mm-hmm. They are ahead of the Mavericks right now. They have the same record as the Suns. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something, though, that I think you're right, that it, is, it, is it a matter of, of one guy has to kind of step forward and be the number one option or the number one unquestioned threat maybe i don't know though the answer to that i don't know yeah, if it's I realistic right? so i think it's something a, we can talk about it's, it's an know, interesting thing to think forward. about but um you know kind of going back to one of your 
one of your points that you made earlier too, in terms of, you know, it's not, it's not being disrespectful to say that right now they're not a championship contender. And right now they're not considered to be in that group of teams to me. Um, if they were healthy this year, which for the knock on wood and thank God for the, for the vast majority of the season they have been to me, it was important if they're going, if they were healthy this season to take a step Mm -hmm. forward. And they have done that. I think they've definitely shown that they're better than they were last year and that they keep moving up. Yeah. And you, you talked about too, how tough it is to be, to take that step towards competing for a title or to win a title. It's also difficult to, go from not making the playoffs, which they didn't last year, to all of a sudden saying, okay, Being now we're going to win the exactly. championship. So, yeah. yeah, I think that they've made steps this year. Um, there's 36 games left in the season, and I think this is the last couple months of this regular season are the opportunity to, can you get some of these kind of big wins? Can you get more of these statement wins where you beat the Clippers or you beat Denver, or you beat some of these teams like the Suns that have been hot lately can you pick up more of those wins but I mean there's no doubt that it would be um it would be misleading I think right now to say that they're in that group of teams because they're just the 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 games that they've had recently that not only have they lost some of these games but they we've seen just an odd um string of games where they're just not they haven't been competitive head-to-head well here's the other element of it those other teams are above you because they have taken other steps like I said uh, OKC I mean, that was a team that beat you to get to right. the postseason. SGA, you know, is a starter in the Western Conference All-Stars. Chet Holgram is a number one pick for a reason. I think you're seeing right. what he's able to do. But Minnesota has been in the postseason above mm-hmm. you the last couple of seasons. They're, Fact. They yeah. are trying to get to that next level and went and made that trade for Rudy Gobert. Fact. The Clippers literally went and got another player to add to Kawhi and Paul George and a Hall of Famer and, in, in, you know, loading James up, Harden. Loading up to compete now. Right. right. So mm-hmm. they're above you. Right? That, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong in saying that. They are. Denver are the defending NBA champs. They're above you. Sacramento. They have been in the postseason the last couple of years. You haven't. Uh, you know, they they were they were pushing for that number two spot last year. So right. they're above you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't make the postseason. Phoenix, they fired Monty Williams right. and got rid of again, a bunch of again, loading up to win now. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, Dallas, they blew up their team to go bring in Kyrie Irving and all that. So that's what I'm saying. When you look at in the Lakers, yeah. we're in the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to put perspective on it to, you know, man, I wish they were here. Dude, it, these other teams that are competing, they're building to try to win now. And and that's why I brought up at the very beginning of this part of our conversation, the Pelicans' big three players have not played a second of postseason basketball together. Zion, as remarkable as that sounds, has never played in a play, not a play-in game, not a postseason game, mm-hmm. nothing. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I can't, you can't expect to be a championship level or contending team and know what you need to take that next step until you see it. I, I mean, I can, we can All sit right. here and stipulate or, mm-hmm. you know, try to prognosticate and I can start sounding like Dr. Seuss and, and start adding words that rhyme together. But, <laughs> Jim, until we have four games that you and I can look at, Statistics, numbers, what kind of matchups, what kind of moves the coaches make in game two as opposed to game three? You know, how did they perform in game four? They, you know, did, did they come back? I mean, it, you can't. You just can't. So I guess that's how I look at it right now. No, I'm with you. I think 
what you're just kind of summarizing is that all these teams in the West are, are kind of at different stages of what they their expectations are and what the purpose of this season is in terms of very much short term in terms of this April, this May, this June um, for some of these teams. So, yeah, I think the Pelicans are definitely not in this. They don't have the same mentality or urgency in terms of championship right now. But I do think it's important, based on a lot of what you just talked about, that they do make the playoffs this year so that we, the conversation of we've never seen the big three together in the playoffs, we've never seen Zion, so that that conversation is over so that we, we don't come back next season and say we still haven't seen that. So to me, that that is the the goal. Um, I'm sure we'll get into this more maybe on Wednesday when we talk about the Western Conference in more detail, but the cushion that they have is getting smaller. So, I mean – in terms of the goal of making the playoffs, at least as an initial step, it's important to get some wins here so that they can create a little bit more, get more of a cushion from compared to what they had recently where they were, you know, four or five games ahead of that nine and 10 spot in the West. All right, time now for our final segment. That is a player to watch. Who we got today? Yeah, Gus, I'm going to go with the player to watch of the week for the Pelicans. I'm going to go with Larry Nance Jr., and the reason for that is um, just if you look at the matchups in terms of players that the Pelicans have to be concerned about. Now, I mentioned earlier that Kristaps Sporzingis is questionable tonight to play, so we're not sure if we're going to see him on the court, but if he plays, I think the Pelicans' centers between Nance and Jonas Valanciunas are going to have to be concerned about him as far as his three-point shooting, his versatility, just all the stuff that he brings to the floor. And then later in the week, you've got, on Wednesday, you're playing against Houston. Elper and Shengun has averaged against the Pelicans 30.5 points per game. He shot 61% from the field. He's been a huge reason why New Orleans is 0-2 against the Rockets, and I think they're a team that you got, you got to you have... It's going to be important to get a victory against them and, and break through for the first win of the season head-to-head. And then Friday, the Pelicans are playing against the Spurs, and as we know, Wemby is uh, somebody that I think lately, too, he continues to get better. He continues to be more productive. Only had 17 points on 6 of 13 shooting against New Orleans on December 17th, but he's a guy that Nance and Valanciunas are going to have to contend with. So right. it's really three teams that all have bigs that are that are dangerous. I mean – Wemby's probably the Spurs' best player. Shangun's been the Rockets' best player. Celtics have a bunch of good players, but Porzingis is is near the top of the list as well. So kind of an odd thing today in 2024 NBA, too, where you have three teams that have bigs that are all dangerous and all can put up points the way that those three guys can. Let's see what takes place. As always, appreciate the time. Mr. Jen Eichenhofer, how can people follow you over there on that thing called X? It's just Jim underscore Eichenhofer. You know, just to... To differentiate me from the other Jim Eichenhoffers out there, I had to put that underscore in there. So, how many other Eichenhoffers do they have? Uh, they're, they're, well, they're mostly in Germany. So, okay, yeah, well, that'll be that. Can that be like the the number on Friday or something? How, how many Jim? How many Eichenhoffers? That'll be a quick one. Well, I don't, I don't know how many. There's probably I might be the only James Eichenhoffer in the world. So there's that. I have that claim. I love so. that. That's good to go. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's edition. Again, the Pels take on Boston tonight. And that game, don't forget, is over on the East Coast. So it will be a 6.30 tip time. You can join the broadcast, of course, at 6 o'clock on radio for pregame television as well over on Bally's. Looking forward to hopefully talking about a win on Wednesday. We'll do so. And that is when the Pels wrap up this road trip briefly. And it'll come home and then it'll go back on the road. We'll get you all set for that here as well. 
Wednesday is Houston. So until then, thanks for tuning us in. Don't forget to follow the show so you know when the latest episode drops. I'm Gus Kattengill. That's Jim Eichenhofer. As always, thank you so much for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or where you get your podcast. And be sure to give Jim and Gus a follow on X at Jim underscore Eichenhofer and GCAT underscore 17. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.